mercies are new every morning. Amen. He gives us another chance. And I'm, hey, I tell you what, I'm one guy that is thankful for second chances. Amen. All right, well, welcome to High Desert Word Center. Uh, we're going to have a great time today. Um, Pastor, and my dad, Pastor Samples, and my mom, um, they're, they're going to be out of town for a couple weeks, uh, guys. We had, a, we had a, a medical emergency in our family, and they're helping some relatives out um, that, that need them right now. So anyway, you can just keep uh, the family in prayer. Everything's going to be okay, but they're, they're doing what they need to do right now to help. So anyway, they're going to be out of town for a couple weeks. So we're going to have a good time, though, even without them, right? Yeah, we're going to have a good time. (laughs) Anyway, so um, they send their love to everybody and they say hello. But we're going to be starting a new series this morning. And if you need an outline for the sermon, you can raise your hand if you didn't get one yet. And uh, the ushers will give you one. Robert right there will give you one. Robert just loves to pass out paper. So keep him busy. Don't disappoint him. He's good at it, too, man. He's good at it. All right. So uh, we're starting a new series for the next couple of weeks in here called Mouth Control. And you're like, what? Mouth Control. We are going to learn how we want to put this nicely, how to control our mouths. Because, I mean, probably not you, but maybe somebody you know, their mouth has gotten them into trouble in the past. Can anybody, you know, maybe, you know, not you, but somebody you know, right? You're, it's your wife, it's not you. But somebody else, you know, they, their mouth has got them into trouble. And, and truthfully, if we're going to be honest, all of us can be guilty uh, sometimes with saying things we shouldn't say. Maybe saying things that we later on regret. Uh, maybe saying just negative things that should not be said. They're not helping anybody out. And so today we're going to look at this very important topic out of the Bible. And I want to kind of show you a, a verse here to establish all of this before we actually get into the message. So let's look at Proverbs chapter 18 and verse 21. Proverbs 18, verse 21. All right. See, you're awake. That's good. But Proverbs 18, verse 21 Now, in the King James, it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. We're going to look here in the New Living Translation this morning of Proverbs 18, 21. And, I mean, there there is, this sounds so basic, so so, uh, simple, but so many people don't understand this concept in their life. Proverbs 18, verse 21 says, the tongue, or the mouth, or your words, can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. Wow. The tongue, your mouth, your words can bring either death or life. But those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And there's this biblical uh, principle that was established way back in the book of Genesis called you reap what you sow. And if you go around all the time speaking bad words, negative words, death words, listen, you're going to reap a harvest of those things back into your life. It says you will reap the consequences of your words. Now, this can be good. This can be bad if you go around, you know, saying nice things and positive things and and cheerful things. Listen, you'll reap those things back into your life. But no matter what, death and life are in the power of the tongue and you are going to reap the consequences. You are going to reap the harvest off of the words that you're speaking. And so we're going to look at just one area of this this morning. We're going to tackle the subject of complaining. Yeah, thank you. All right. Yeah, we got one in the house. Wait, listen, we're going to look at the topic of complaining because, I mean, this is just something the Lord's been dealing with me about lady, lately, that we have a lot of just complaining in general in our society and in our world where people are a lot more quickly able to point out what's wrong in the world, or if you make a mistake at your job, man, people, especially you're in customer service, they have no trouble at all phoning in and filing a complaint. But then the people that are just going the extra mile, working hard, doing good 99% of the time, nobody's there to say, hey, good job. I just want to call in and, and tell you that the cashier at your store is doing a great job. Uh, you just want to give them a compliment. Listen, 
it shouldn't be that way. As Christians, we should be the ones that are, you know, that are out there, you know, spreading the, the cheerfulness, saying, the, saying the, the, the good things that are in this world and pointing out the good, not focusing on the bad. And some, uh, some bad things happen to you if that's your life. And we're going to look at those today. But I do want to open up the message with prayer. And we're going to look at three things this morning on the topic of complaining. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you that we have a church to worship you in, that, that we have a, an awesome family to surround ourselves with, uh, that are here to encourage us and build us up. Lord, we pray today that as we open our hearts to your word, that you are going to speak to every single person here, Lord, that you're going to point out things that maybe we're not seeing in our life. You're going to show us things that maybe we haven't quite understood just yet. But Lord, most of all, I pray that we leave here today changed and better, and moving forward in our life for your glory. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. Amen. So number one today is this. Point number one is complaining makes you weaker. You're like, really? I doubt that. Oh, we're going to show you some stuff. Complaining will weaken you. It will make you a weaker person. And I was reading an article by a, by a doctor, Dr. Travis Bradbury. He said, research shows that most people complain about once a minute during a typical conversation. Can you imagine that? That most people, on average, okay, not everybody, but on average, the average person in any typical conversation complains about once per minute on average. That sounds terrible. You know what I mean? I don't want to be surrounded by negativity like this. There's enough things going on in this world that I don't need somebody constantly pointing out every little thing to me. I need to hear the good news, man. I need to hear what God is doing in this world. I need to hear what God's doing, all right? And so, you know, I've read it so many times, and I forget the actual statistic, but so many times a customer is much more likely to, to, as I said, to phone in a complaint rather than a compliment. You know, somebody at, at, you know, at the bank or, or the store or the restaurant, they could do something right 99 times out of 100. And, and nobody's there to, you know, phone in and say, hey, I just want you to know your guys are doing a great job. Your, your, your cashier really made my day today. They did so great. But if that cashier or that person makes one little misstep, you know, they, they didn't smile at your right or they just didn't do exactly what you wanted. Man, and I've worked some customer service. People are quick to let you know about it. Oh, they'll call in right away. You know what? That little punk you have working the counter in there. Oh, I could have slapped him. He forgot my fries. My fries were cold. Can you believe that? Like, man, you want to ruin someone's day over some French fries? What is your issue? What is wrong with you? If that's the worst thing that's happened to you today, you're doing pretty good in this world. And you know what I mean? But people are so quick to point it out. And so let me show you something In the Word of God. Let's look at Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Alright, so if you've called in to some place to complain about 50 times this year, but you haven't even made one phone call to compliment, I'm not judging, but something is wrong with you. There's something wrong with that picture. Let's just leave that there. Philippians chapter 2, and let's look at verse 14. And I believe that, you know... There, this, this area, I don't care who you are, this applies to all of us. I'm reading these scriptures, and I'm looking at this, and I'm like, oh my gosh, wow. You know, God is, he's pointing some things out to me right here. This is, this is for me, this is for all of us. But this is, uh, every morning I read my Bible to my kids. Yeah, it's, just, it's something we do. I think that's a pretty good way to start your day off. And usually I will you know, read some verses that I believe apply to them. So usually by the time we're eating our cap and crunch at the table, there's already been two to three fights, some type of altercation between the kids. So usually we, typically on an average day, we know we're uh, learning, turn the other cheek, love your neighbor as yourself, love forgives, First Corinthians 13. But here's another good one that my kids hear very often. They could probably quote this to you. Philippians 2.14 It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. Did that hit you between the eyes like it hit me? It says, do everything without complaining and arguing. 
And I think some people kind of, you know, they've edited that word. They, the word without, they kind of crossed out the out. They put, do everything with complaining and arguing. Do you know anybody like that? It's like, I mean, anything their boss tells them to do, they're just, they're going to go gripe. They're going to complain. Even if it's your basic job function is to sweep floors and the boss comes in and says, hey, buddy, can you go sweep that floor? Okay. As soon as he walks away, I can't believe the sweeping floor. And you're like, man, dude. That's your job. Why are you complaining about doing what you were hired to do? Some people complain. They argue about everything. And I'm telling you, this is making you a weaker person. There is no way in the world that you're walking in the blessings and the joy of the Lord if this is your attitude. There's no way that you have the joy of the Lord if you're going around all the time complaining and arguing about every little thing. This is stealing from your life and it is making you a weaker person. And so on your handout here, the weakest Christians are the ones that complain all the time. The weakest Christians are the ones that complain all the time. And I was thinking this this one nice brother that uh, that he used to complain about everything that we did around here. Everything. Even areas that just had nothing to do with him. You know, we could switch to a different brand of diaper in the nursery and he had a, and you know, and he had a, he could complain about that and he's like 70 years old. You know, we could use different bread for the communion this month and oh great, they, we've used the last bread for five years and now they switch. I can't believe this. They call themselves the church of God. I'm like, my God, man, you've got something negative to say about everything and listen, I witnessed it before my own eyes that he, I just saw things continually get worse and worse and worse in this guy's life. And listen, when you complained, it wasn't just church he complained about. He complained about every other little thing because complaining, it spreads to every area of your life. It spreads. And I I put it this way. Complaining is kind of like scratch, is kind of like scratching a rash. It is because it feels temporarily good, but it spreads to other parts of you, and it just gets worse. So complaining is, is it's kind of like scratching a, a rash, but what it does is it does more harm than it does good, and it spreads. I remember one year, it was the summer of 1996. And I told this story in youth group the other day, and sadly, none of those kids were even alive yet in 1996, so again, I felt really old. But anyway, and so I'm like, yeah, it was the summer of 96, how many remember that? And they're like, oh, I was negative three at the time. Like, oh, man. Oh. So anyway, but I, I grew up out in the woods in Indiana, and so I'm out there catching crawdads one day, because that's what every little redneck boy wants to do, is get a bunch of crawdads at the coffee camp. And so I'm out there, and I come across some poison ivy. And, you know, for whatever reason, I, I have a, I'm allergic to poison ivy. And, and so I got some on me, and I knew better. But listen, I'm like, whenever mom's not around, I'm like, I've got to scratch this, man. This is, this is miserable. Okay, that, that feels good. But then later on, scratching back here, back here. And I'm scratching all over the place, and it spread to every part of my body. I was the most miserable I have ever been in my life. I swole up, I puffed up, and my, my face was like... And I, and I mean, I would walk through town, and people were like, oh my gosh, look at that kid, that's disgusting. And it all happened. And, you know, I, if I would have just contained the initial problem... Just taking care of the issue and not let it spread, not done what felt good temporarily. I could have kept it to one little area and got rid of it and been fine. But for like the whole summer, man, I was in bad shape and it was my fault. I spread it a lot worse than the initial problem was. And that's what complaining does. You may have a legitimate issue in an area, but it's not going to do anybody any good for you to sit there and whine and complain about it all day. Complaining doesn't fix a single thing about your problem. And in fact, you start complaining about that, and then you're like, you know what? This is bad over here, too. And you know what? This there, you know what really ticks me off? It's this over here. Don't even get me started on their french fries. Don't even get me started on this guy over here. I can't stand it. And next thing you know, you are just a negative little person that's complaining about everything everywhere. And I'm telling you, this starts to weaken you down from where God 
wants you to be at. And if you only look for the bad in life, you're going to find it. If you're only looking for the negative bad, you'll find it. It's not that hard to find. We don't need any help from you. And, and listen, if that's all you're looking for, you're going to find it. And something that I've realized is that a negative person is pretty much 10 times out of 10 a fearful person. They're a fearful person. And, and, and the, what is the opposite of fear? You've learned this before. But the opposite of fear is faith. And if you are full of, of fear, if you're full of just this negativity and this complaining, you're going to be dominated by fear because you've not left any room left for faith. And so, I'll say it again, the weakest Christians are the ones that complain all the time, and the positive Christians are the ones that stay happy and stay joyful and, and, and are speaking the positive things. And it reminds me of this story that, that Josh told me. He had this uh, roommate that, uh, he's a friend of both of ours, but this roommate Josh, had, this guy was like always in a good mood. You ever meet anybody like that? I mean, like nothing could get this, get this guy down. He was always positive. He was exactly like, you know, I want to be like, like exactly how I think the Lord wants us to be. And so, I mean, you could just completely dump fire on his day and he'd just come out and say, and praise the Lord, what a great day this was. And so Joshua was telling me this story and uh, hopefully I tell this right. About one time, his friend borrowed another guy's car to get to work. And, and so anyway, he drives it to work and uh, he gets home that night and Josh is like, hey, man, so so how was your day? Oh, it was great, man. And, you know, I, I just felt the presence of God all day long. I, you know, man, I was happy. I, I got to witness to people at work. Oh, it was, it was so awesome. Wow. What a day. Thank you, Jesus. What an awesome day. And so Josh is like, oh, how did everything go with that car? Oh, yeah, well, I got pulled over on the way to work. They impounded the car because the, the tags were expired. I've got a court date in a few weeks and blah, blah, blah. It goes off on all this. But praise God, what an awesome day, man. Have a good night. I'm going to bed. And I'm like, dear God, out of all of that, he doesn't even bring up the bad, horrific thing that happened. He just goes about talking about all the good things that happened in his day. How many people... The whole focus of their entire month would have been on that one bad situation. But because this guy chose to not be that type of person, he didn't even think about that at the end of his day. It was no big deal. He just brushed it off and he was looking at the good things that God had done in his life. What if more of us were like that? What if more of us had that attitude where even if something happens to you, because listen, we live, we're all people here, we live in a real world, it's inevitable that something is going to happen to you at some point or another, right? Something, there's going to be, the devil's going to bring something against you to bring damage to your day, but are you going to let him use that to ruin your whole week? I know some people, man, somebody looks at them wrong and that's it. Their, their whole day is ruined by 8 o'clock in the morning. Why is that? I do not want to be that type of person where other people have that much control over me, where they have the ability to ruin my whole day just by looking at me weird or just by saying something I don't agree with or, or just by saying something I don't like. If you are letting people control you to this extent, where they can ruin your day, ruin your week, ruin your month, make you get mad and quit your job, not even want to work there anymore, leave your church, God, move to another state, all this stuff, because you let people get to you that much, that is not how God wants you to live your life. He has better things in store for you, but if you let people get to you like this, and you complain and make it worse, you are getting weaker and weaker and weaker. And before long, it takes hardly anything at all for you to have a blow up, to have a meltdown, to have a crisis over something that should not knock you down like that. But if you let yourself get to that point, it does not take much for the devil to come in and just slap you around, knock you right on your butt. And you're like, man, what happened now? Listen, complaining makes you weaker. And so the next thing we're going to say is this. Number two is that complaining prolongs the issues. Complaining is not going to get you out of your bad situation any quicker. 
is, in fact, it's going to make you stay there a lot longer than you need to. And, man, I have seen so many people. They're, they're complaining about the same thing they were complaining about five years ago, and not a single thing has changed. They haven't taken any steps to, to get out of, the, uh, out of the situation. They're just complaining about it still, and complaining doesn't fix anything, does it? No, complaining does not fix anything. So the perfect example of this is to look at the story of Moses and the children of Israel, because if there was ever a talented group of complainers, you know, if, if there was, you know, if, if it's possible to be good at complaining, it was the Israelites in the Old Testament. And I mean, look no further. Let's let's take a look at this in Exodus chapter 16, Exodus chapter 16. Check this out. Exodus chapter 16. We're going to look at a few verses here, but here they are. God has delivered them. From slavery, they were slaves, their people, for 400 years. They lived in slavery for 400 years. That's several generations of Israelites had been slaves. And so God, as you know the story, he brings them out of slavery. He, he, they, they part the Red Sea. They walk through on dry ground. And I'm telling you, if there's a miracle that I wanted to see in the Bible, I would have loved to have been there when the Red Sea parted. And it says there was walls of water, probably hundreds of feet tall on each side. And they're walking through there as water is standing up right before them. If that doesn't prove to you that God's real, then I don't think anything will. And so here they are. You know, they, they've been delivered. They've seen some of the most miraculous miracles. And, and let's just look at this. Exodus 16. Let's look at verses 1 through 3. It says, Then the whole community of Israel set out from Elam and journeyed into the wilderness of sin. Well, that's, I mean, that sounds like a good place to go, doesn't it? The wilderness of sin. Like, man, get out of that place fast. But here they are. They're in the wilderness of sin between Elam and Mount Sinai. They arrived there on the 15th day of the second month, one month after leaving the land of Egypt. There, too, the whole community of Israel complained about Moses and Aaron. I'm like, this guy just rescued you from being a slave? You were getting beaten to a pulp, making bricks out of mud and straw, building pyramids. You, you were doing all this stuff, and now you're mad at them because you don't have the type of food you want? And that's what this is over. They're mad about, the, about what they're having to eat and stuff, and they have the audacity to turn on Moses and Aaron, the two guys that saved their lives. Yeah, wow, what is wrong with this picture? I would be thanking those two guys every day for the rest of my life. And here they are throwing a hissy fit over something. Look at verse 3. It says, if only the Lord had killed us back in Egypt, they moaned. There we sat around pots filled with meat. We ate all the bread we wanted. But now you have brought us into this wilderness to starve us all to death. They're throwing a fit about food, and they have been getting beaten, and they, were, they didn't even have, they had no control over their own lives. They couldn't decide where they were going to go, where they were going to live, nothing. And here they are, they've been set free, and God, every day, every day the Lord delivers food to them. He drops manna out of heaven, so they get fresh bread every day. The Lord sends a, 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 a group of quail through the campsite every day. They've got fresh meat. They just got to go out and grab as many quail as they want and, you know, butcher them up. And I mean, and I hear quail meat is absolutely delicious. Anyway, that's beside the point. So here they are. They've got fresh bread. They've got meat every day. They've, you know, the Lord keeps providing water to them. You know, Moses hit the rock one day and water comes out and all this stuff. And here they are. It's not good enough for them. Because in Egypt, they had several kinds of meat. They had several kinds of bread. They, they got, you know, even though they were getting beaten and their kids getting stolen from them and all this stuff, even though all that was happening, at least we, you know, had, we had chicken and beef. We had, we had this. And I'm like, man, what is wrong with these people? But I know a lot of people, and I'm going to be honest with you, that every time... They move to a, a new state. Every time they get a new job, every time 
they, you know, get a, a new boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, they end up complaining about that too. And then they start talking about how good the last one was. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? I remember one guy, he always complained about every single job. So he switched jobs. And then he hate that one too. And he complained, man, this is the worst job I've ever had. Wait, I mean, I thought the last one was, oh, that place was heaven compared to this. This place is the dumps. Like, okay, so he quit that, go on to, an, to another job. Oh, man, how, how's your new job going, bro? Oh it's, oh, it's bad and getting worse. It's getting worse. This is the worst place I've ever worked at. These, these people are jerks, man. I hate every single one of them. Wait, you said the last place was the worst. Oh, no, that place was great. I would kill for that compared to this place. I'm like, man, what is wrong? I'm starting to think. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. But I'm starting to think that the issue is not the employer. It's possibly the employee. Maybe you're the problem. Because if everywhere you go, if everywhere you go, you still have the same issues. If everywhere you go, you're surrounded by jerks. Everywhere you go, everybody's rude and mean and nasty. Everywhere. I think, and I'm just going to say, I think you're the mean, rude, nasty one. Because there's no possible way that everywhere you go, everybody's screwed up except for you. If everywhere you go, you end up having issues, the problem is you. And I'm not saying that to be mean and to throw rocks at you. We're trying to help people today. We're trying to say, hey, don't you want to have a good, peaceful life? Don't you want to have the joy of the Lord? Don't you want to be satisfied in life and not have to be miserable and negative and complaining and and hating everywhere you go? Man, listen, I love my life. I don't want to be that guy that hates his life. You know, he he's, uh, hates going home because he's got to put up with his wife and kids. Hates going to work because everybody there is rude. Don't even really like going to church. You do it because you have to. But there's jerks over there, too. I don't like going to the gas station because they're mean over there. And everywhere you go, you're miserable. Listen, that is sad. And I don't want your life to be that way. God has better for you than this. And there's a way to get out of this. But complaining is not the way. It just makes your issues a whole lot worse. And so, listen, let's turn over to chapter 32, Exodus chapter 32. And when you start complaining, it spreads and complaining will lead you to deeper sins. And you're like, again, I, I don't believe that. That's probably not true. Oh, yeah, that's true. Check this out. You harden your heart to God, and you're liable to do anything dumb. And so, Exodus chapter 32, this is probably one, like my least favorite story in the Bible. I hate this. But Exodus chapter 32, verses 1 through 4. So Moses, he's gone up on the mountain to talk with God. He's getting the Ten Commandments. He's in the very presence of God. And the, the, the complainers down there, the, you know, the nagging group, they're down there and they're like, oh, this is taking forever. This is taking too long. We can't. And so they start once again, start throwing a little fit, start acting like little brats, you know, and stomping their feet. And they just do one of the sickest things in the Bible. And one of, one of the things that makes God more mad than anything. But Exodus 32 verses 1 through 4. When the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. I'm like, oh, dang, you hear that? God led them through the Red Sea. He delivers fresh food every morning. He got them out of slavery. And Moses is taking too long for them. And they're like, well, forget it, Moses. You need to make us a God who can lead us. I'm like, oh, dear Lord, it is getting ready to get really nasty right here. Check this out. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. So Aaron said, all right, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Wow. And I mean, I'm, that takes me every single time. What nerve. What, what, how sick are you? 
after everything that God's done for you, He saved you. He rescued you. He healed you. He brought you out of slavery. And here you are. Things aren't happening as quick as, as you want them to. A man, again, I know people like this, 2016, man. God's delivered them from a terrible life. He's healed them, rescued them, brought them out of addiction, brought them out of sin, brought them out of everything. And then here they are. Something's not happening as quick as they want. And they start complaining. They start nagging. They start being immature. And listen, that leads them to a whole new level that they did not ever need to go to. And so here they are. They literally replaced God with a new God with something else. That's a bad situation to be in. And what gets me is they make this little cow and they just start bowing down to it. And they say, Israel, here's the God that brought you out. Here's the God that rescued you. And that, that's probably the dumbest thing that I've ever heard in my life. Your little fake cow there has existed for about ten minutes and it's the one that brought you out of, out of slavery, your little fake cow. And so God, of course, knows all, sees all. He's up there having a meeting with Moses on the mountain. And God looks down there and sees this. And God's like, oh, no, no, Moses, get, I'm going to kill them all, every single one of them. And God's getting mad. He's like, they're down there defying me. They're down there. And, and, and God's blowing up. And Moses doesn't know what's going on. He's like, okay, calm down. Spare their lives. I'll go down there. I'll see what's going on. Just don't kill them. Give them another chance. Please give them another chance. And so Moses goes down there. And then when he sees what's going on, he's like, oh, no, no, you didn't. And then he blows up. But look at this. Exodus 32. Let's skip down to verses 19 through 20. So Moses just loses it. Exodus 32, verses 19 through 20. And so it's Moses and Joshua. They come down. When they came near the camp, Moses saw the calf and the dancing, and he burned with anger. He threw the stone tablets, the Ten Commandments, to the ground, smashing them at the foot of the mountain. Moses, from this point, becomes the biggest sinner in the whole Bible he broke all Ten Commandments at the same time. That was a joke. Right. Little church humor. All right. Stick to my day job. Anyway, so he breaks all of them. Just, he, he's so angry, he throws them, smashes these commandments that God gave him. And then, I, I'm a man of justice. I appreciate justice when it's served Moses serves them justice in a brilliant way. This is incredible. But look at verse 20. It says, Moses took the calf they had made and burned it. So there goes their God. He's, he's burned up. And he says, then he ground it into powder, threw it into the water, and forced the people to drink it. I'm like, yes! That's brilliant, Moses. They deserved that. And so here they are drinking their little God that they just created, you know, an hour ago. He, he burns it, grinds it up, tosses it in the water. He's like, you're going to drink your God right now because this is not the God that rescued you. It was the Lord God, Jehovah, that rescued you. How dare you turn your back on him? How dare you do this? And I'm like, okay, Moses, we get it. Calm down. Sorry, bro. And, and, and even after all that, you know, we keep reading again and again how the people, God would rescue them, and they would turn back to their complaining. And so listen, ultimately, complaining cost most of these people the promised land. To walk from, uh, from Egypt over to Canaan, was, it's about an 11-day walk. It took them 40 years. An 11-day journey turned into a 40-year nightmare because ultimately God said every single one of these complainers, these fearful people, every one of them, you guys can't get into the promised land until the fearful complainers die. If you've been someone that's had faith, if you've been someone that's stuck with me, you get to go in, but we're not, we're not getting in there until, every last, uh, until these guys are gone. It took 40 years for the last one of them to die off before Joshua and Caleb, as we've seen in the book of Joshua, led them in to the promised land and conquered it. And so listen, complaining will keep you out of your promised land. Complaining will keep you out of God's promised land for your life. And God does have a promised land for you. I can guarantee that. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. 
Who believes that God wants you to have a good life here on this earth? Listen, I, I understand that God, we're going to get to heaven someday. Heaven is going to be awesome. But I am not of the opinion that you have to live through hell on earth until you get to heaven. God wants you to have a blessed, peaceful, joyful life here on this earth. That's God's plan. Third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that she would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. And so if your life is not going this direction, we need to check things out and say, hey, why am I not living in the blessings of God right now? Why am I not heading towards the promised land that God has for me? What is it that's keeping me out? And one area that I recommend you examine is your mouth. Wouldn't it be sad if your mouth kept you out of the blessings that God has for you? You know, imagine that, you know, God has this incredible life planned for you, this amazing life, and he does. Ephesians 3.20 says uh, that he's able to do exceeding and abundantly above everything that you could even ask or think. So whatever you think would be a good life, whatever you imagine to be the life of your dreams, God's saying, no, I can do a lot better than that. And so what if, though... There's this amazing life right over here for you. You're just, you're just right there on the outside of it. But your mouth is keeping you out because you can't shut it. Every day, all you do is complain. All you do is fight with people. All you do is, you know, say mean, nasty things. Put down on other people. Make fun of people. Put down on your kids. Put down on your husband and wife. Listen, if that's the type of person that you are, You're not getting there, man. You are not getting into that promised land because God is not going to bless somebody like that. It's not going to happen. You're just going to get weaker and you're going to stay out there in the wilderness. I don't know how long until you learn to shut it. God will give you another chance. Thank God for second chances. But listen, I want to get into the fullness of God's blessings as soon as I can. I don't want to be held back by anything, but especially something so easy to change as my mouth. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Complainers aren't happy anywhere. Complainers aren't happy anywhere. And, and you know, how can I say this? Because, you know, I have, I have done an unscientific research study on this for the past 10 years, okay? You know, this isn't completely, you know, uh, official, but every single person that I've seen that makes it a habit of of this is their life, no matter where you put them, they are unhappy. I've seen people that are like, well, you know what, it's Barstow. Barstow's the problem. If I I move, you know, over here, everything's going to change. I know it. Everything will be better. And they get there and miserable, hate it complain the whole time they're there. Okay, it's this place. You know, I knew, I knew it's probably something going to... I'm just going to... Let's just pack up every... We're going to move all the way over here. This is everything. I know it'll be better over there. People are really nice over there. And guess what? They get there. Everybody's mean there too. Yeah. If I just switched jobs, I know I would be happy. I know it. If I just... The, people can't possibly be as mean as they are over here. You know, I'll just leave the Marine base. I'll go to Fort Irwin. People are probably nice out there. They get there. People are twice as mean to them. You know, I, I know if I just end this, if I just get, get out of this situation, listen to me. If you are a complainer, you will not be happy anywhere. We could write you a check for a million dollars. We could build you a mansion. We could give you a nice new car. We could give you the best food every day of the rest of your life. And it won't be good enough for you because your issue is a heart issue. It's not a, a, you know, a, a provision issue. It's not a people issue. Your problem is your heart. And complaining will get a hold of your heart and will squeeze you. And the book of Proverbs says to guard your heart above all else. For it determines the course of your life. And by heart, do I mean your physical heart? I don't mean your blood pump. I mean your spirit. I mean guard your spirit. Guard your inside over everything else because it determines the course of your life. And if you let this negative, nasty, complaining, bitter root get a hold of your heart, it's going to steer you all kinds of ways. You're not going to... 
I mean, you're going to be an unstable, messed up person until the day that you die. And that's one of the saddest things to see is somebody that God had huge blessings in store for. And they never even got to half of it because they couldn't get it together. They couldn't guard their heart and they couldn't shut their mouth. And so I'm telling you, this will affect you. It will prolong the issues. It will weaken you to a place that you don't want to go to. And I heard, I heard one pastor say this. this. This sounded so good to me. That there's two types of Christians. There's worshipers and there's complainers. Worshippers always find something to thank God about. Complainers always find something to complain about. And I, again, that's like that guy I was telling you about. If, even if any bad situation, he would find the good out of it. You know, the, the, they call that finding the silver lining in any situation. And that's the type of guy I want to be. That no matter what, I'm like, well, yes, I acknowledge that this, this, and this happened. But on the bright side, you know, I've still got this. On the bright side, I'm still alive. I'm still breathing. On the bright side, you know, I've still got my family. And, and, and that's what God wants us to be. Somebody that can always find something in every situation to give thanks about instead of complain about it. Because... Anybody can see the bad and complain. That, I mean, anybody can do that. But it takes a strong person. It takes a strong man of God, a strong woman of God, to be able to look through all the things coming against you and say, I, I know, listen, these things are coming against me. These are only temporary. These are only temporary. God's on my side, and I've still got heaven before me. I've still got, you know, his favor around me. I've still got the angels of God. I've still got the blessing of God. Everything's going to turn out okay, because if God is for me, who can be against me? I'm going to come out of this situation stronger and better than I ever have in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for another chance to prove that your word is true. Thank you, Jesus, for another chance to prove that the word of God is alive and it works. I'm coming out on top of this. Thank you, Jesus. Now, let's compare that type of person to the other person that has gone through the exact same circumstances. Man, can't ever catch a break. My life stinks, man. Everybody's against me. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Every, it's like, if it's not one thing, it's another. Everything, every day, I wake up, and I mean, I just know it's, it's bad, and it's just getting worse. It's just going to blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, man, stay. I hope that's not contagious. Keep that disease away from me. I don't want nothing to do with that. And you're like, man, that sounds pretty mean. I'm serious. I do not need to surround myself with negative, nasty people that are just going to spew their filth all over me every day. I don't want to hear it. I do not want to hear that. You know, it reminds me of a, of a little story. We were, we were driving with the kids somewhere a little while back. And we were listening to the Christian radio station. And so this song comes on. And I mean... This was the worst song I have ever heard in my entire life. And it was on the Christian station. This guy was, and I, I mean, I tried to, I don't even remember the words, but I just remember like, Lord, it's bad, it's getting worse. Help me, you're killing my kid. And I mean, just something about how his kid was dying of a disease. And just, and just negativity and, and, and through all of it. And I was like, turn that off. I like hit the radio. I'm like, don't let the kids hear this going to poison their minds, man. They're going to think that God kills little kids. They're going to think that God, you know, is negative and nasty. No, turn that off. I mean, I'd rather my kids listen to gangster rap than hear something like that. I'd rather turn some kind of, I mean, get that off. And you're like, well, that sounds pretty, I'm listen to me. There's nothing nastier than me to me than to hear a Christian blame sickness on God, to hear a born-again Christian complain about how God's not doing enough and whining and about how bad it is, that's disgusting. That should not be that way. When you're talking like that, you're telling God, you're not doing enough for me. You're not good enough. I mean, I, you're not, God's not enough for me. I, I, he's not handling my problems. He's not taking care of me. And how insulting would it be if your kids went around all the time, man, yeah, my parents don't take care of me. Look, look at my clothes. Look, we don't ever get to eat what we want. Uh, you know, we've got holes in our shoes. Uh, I mean, it's just bad and it's getting worse. And, and, you know, and you as a parent know, man, I provide for them. I didn't buy them the two new $300 Jordans. They're, you know, they're still wearing last year's, but they're doing pretty good. How insulting would that be to you? 
If your kids went around all the time talking about how bad you didn't take care of them and how bad... I mean, I would be like, listen, here, Junior, you're going to go sit down for a minute and think about that. I take care of you well. You mean everything to me. I've sacrificed. I'll do anything for you. And yet a bunch of God's kids are going around all the time talking about... Yeah, and whether they know it or not, they probably don't realize it, but talking about how their dad's not taking care of them, how things are just bad and getting worse, instead of saying, man, God provides for my every need. He gave me, he woke me up this morning. God delivered me all those years ago from drugs. God, God brought me through. He healed me. God's given me another chance. We have a place to live. My, my heavenly father, he knows my every need. He takes care of me. That's what God is looking for. And so, complaining, it's going to keep you out there in the wilderness a whole lot longer. And um, really quick, I want to want to show you, you guys have ever heard of the, the book of Job? All right, it's not Job, it's Job. But let's look at Job, all right, in, uh, over here in the Old Testament. And so, we're going to look at the last chapter, 42. And so, you know, a lot of bad things happened to Job. Uh, he lost a lot. He was a rich man. He lost most of his possessions. He lost, you know, family members. Lots of bad things happened. And he just took off. I mean, you know, and, and it's easy to say who could blame him. But he took off complaining and, and just saying nasty things. Uh, he cursed the day that he was born and all this crazy stuff. But eventually, most people forget the end of Job. I don't know why. They only focus on the bad. But Job chapter 42 is beautiful because Job comes to a place and he's like, God, I get it. I'm shutting my mouth. I've been accusing you. I've been blaming you. I've been blaming everybody else. Lord, I'm sorry for complaining. And, and he comes to this place where he shuts his mouth and uh, repents and gets things right with God. And look what happens when he stops the complaining. Look at Job chapter 42 and verse 6. He says, I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. He, he totally repents. And look what happens when he repents and changes his ways. Verse 10, when Job re, uh, prayed for his friends... The Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Double sounds pretty good. You know what I mean? If you've lost everything and God not only gives it all back to you, but gives you double, gives you twice as much as you had before, that's a blessing from God. And all of this happened when Job finally stopped his mouth and gave thanks to God, and prayed, and repented, and God turned things around. And so maybe you're sitting here thinking, oh man, I've, I've, I'm guilty, I've been, I've been doing this. Listen, it can turn around for you if you'll do the same thing that Job did. And I, I like to always push things and end things on the positive note. I want to get to point number three here. We've seen enough about what complaining will do to you, but let's take a quick look at what happens when you do the opposite of complaining. Number three, thankfulness brings the blessings. Thankfulness will bring God's blessings in your life. And I'm convinced that none of us are as thankful to God as we should be. None of us. You know, I mean, I could live a thousand lifetimes and never have enough time to thank Him enough for what He's done for me in this one lifetime. God has saved my behind so many times. He's healed me of cancer. He's, you know, given me a wife and kids. He, he's provided for my needs. He's done so many things for me. And, I mean, man, how can I not thank him? And so I want to show you something in Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. And these, this is just a beautiful passage. Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7. And I believe that Christians should absolutely have the joy of the Lord. And when you're thankful, you have the joy of the Lord. Who can say amen to that? When you're thankful, you are full of the joy of the Lord. We were talking to this, uh, this girl that works at a restaurant here in town that a lot of us church people frequent. And so anyway, she was, she was asking about our church a little bit. And, and she's like, yeah, I've been thinking about going over there if I have time. What kind of church are you guys? And I'm like, well, you know, we're, we're Pentecostal. And, and she's like, oh, wow, I, 
I hear that, you know, I hear that you guys are kind of weird. And I'm like, well, yeah, we're, no, we're really weird. Yeah. But we're all really happy. We're, we're really happy in our weirdness. And she's like, you're right. Every one of you that comes in here, you're always happy. You're always smiling. You're always really happy. And I'm like, see, we may be weird, but it's in a good way. We're really, really happy because God's taken care of us and blessed us. Who can say amen to that? We've got the joy of the Lord, man. We have got the joy of the Lord. And so if you want to get technical, we're not happy. We're joyful because happiness is an emotion and it can be taken away from you. But joy, no one can take joy away from you. That comes from the Lord. And so, yeah, man, you can call me weird all day long. I am fine with being weird, but I am not fine with being depressed and miserable and bitter and nasty and negative. I am not going to live my life that way. I am going to be thankful and have the joy and peace of God Almighty until the day that I die. I am going to die a joyful, happy, prosperous, blessed man. And nobody is going to have the ability to take that away from me. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen. So Philippians 4, verses 6 through 7, it says, don't worry about anything. What? Did everybody hear that? Don't worry about anything. The Bible says to not worry about one single thing. Well, how could that be? Well, it tells us right here. How, how do you do that? Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for all he has done. Well, what happens when you do that? Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So complaining brings about anxiety and stress. But when you thank God for all he's done, you experience God's peace. And let me just get real with you right now. I have lived times of my life without the peace of God. And then I have lived with the peace of God. And I'll tell you right now, there is nothing in this world you could offer me to pull me out of the peace of God. I am so serious. There is nothing better than the peace of God. Money can't buy the peace of God, and it's not worth it. People cannot bring you peace. Listen, there is nothing worth the peace of God. And how do you get this? Well, one of the big steps is thanking God for all that He's done for you. It says when you do this, you experience God's peace. And God's peace is so great that it's beyond human comprehension. You can't even understand it. It says it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? It means that you can be in the middle of the worst situation that you have ever faced in your life. But you're not freaking out. You're not blowing up and saying, oh, i got to get out of here. i got to quit. i got to move. i, I got to just get, get me out of here now. No, you're still calm, cool, collected. And people are looking at you saying, I don't understand it. Because he's going through hell on earth right now and he's happy. I don't understand that. And the human mind can't understand it. Because this peace that I'm talking about, it doesn't come from man. It comes from God. It's the peace of God. And if you and your life right now do not have the peace of God, I feel sorry for you. And I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be that way. You can live a peaceful, blissful, joyful, amazing life. So you're saying that we'll never have any trouble? No, you still have things come against you, but it doesn't affect you like it does other people. You still have the joy of God Almighty in your life. You still have the peace of God. And I'm telling you right now, there is nothing worth that in this world. I'll take the peace of God all day long. And, and so, yeah, you know, you, you may, you know, come into to this church and say, man, these people are there. They're jumping and, and shouting. And, and, you know, every time they go to a verse that people scream amen. And they're just weird. And, yeah, man, but I wouldn't trade this for anything in this world. 
I've lived both ways and nothing is better than the life that I live right now because I've got the joy of the Lord. Yes, there could be things to complain about. Yes, things are not perfect, but I don't need to mention that. I don't need to go about talking about that all day long. I'm going to focus on what God has already done for me. I'm going to focus on what God has brought me through, and I'm going to be thankful all day long. God saved me. I don't have to go to hell. Jesus died for me. I don't have to go to hell. He healed me, man. I had leukemia, and I was crippled, and I was dying a painful death. But Jesus healed me. Instantly, man, he healed me. He brought me out of it. The doctor said I probably, after my treatments, would not be able to have kids. We pop kids out left and right. We reproduce like rabbits. It's crazy, all right? And so, you know, and I'm, just, I'm not trying to make anybody feel bad that can't, but I'm just saying that's a testimony to what God can do to somebody. I say thank you, Jesus, that you fully healed me. I may not have all, you know, every little thing I want right now. I may not have as much money as this guy. I may not have as big a house as these people. I may not have as fancy a car as these guys. I may have had somebody say something really mean to me today. But you know what? Forget about that. Jesus, I thank you for all that you've done. That I'm still alive. That I still have another chance. And so let me just bring it down to this. And parents, you can probably agree. When someone's really thankful, it just makes you want to do more for them. When you're thankful to God, he just wants to bless you even more. And so for my little girl, I love giving her presents. I'm going to be honest. I love it because I could walk up and like give her a toothbrush and she just melts. Oh, thank you, Daddy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you. It's beautiful. I love it. It's pink. Thank you. Oh, and I mean, the littlest things she says, thank you about a billion times for. And I'm like, hold on. Do you want some? What else do you want, honey? Do you want? uh, I mean, I'm like, I'm with I'm willing to write that check right then. And part of it's because she's so cute, but part of it's because she's so thankful. When you're thankful, it opens the door for more of God's blessings. And so the last thing is this. Quit behaving like an unthankful, spoiled brat and start being happy and thankful for what God has blessed you with. And again, that, uh, that may sound mean, and I don't intend to hurt anybody's feelings here, But truthfully, somebody that just whines and complains about not always getting their way, we have a word for that. They're called a brat. They're spoiled. They're not thankful for what they they already have. Don't be that way. Be thankful for what God has already done in your life, and it's going to open the door for more. And so as we close out, I would like to issue a challenge to you this week. Who in here is man enough, woman enough? to accept a challenge from Pastor Dave. I want everybody to hike the mountain. No, I'm kidding. It's not that type of challenge. What I want from you is this. And God, if you raise your hand, God knows, okay? I tell my kids this. God knows if you, if you said you'd do something and then you don't. So you can back out now. But here it is. I challenge you this week at some local business in Barstow or wherever you live, to go out of your way to notice something good that somebody there is doing. I challenge you to either directly to their face, compliment them in a big way, or tell their boss about it. And and instead of filing a complaint, I challenge you to file a compliment on that person's behalf. I'm serious. I... And in fact, I've got somebody in mind, Katie and I have talked about it, there's a cashier at Food for Less that is always so nice, a very nice young man. God's laid it on my heart. I'm going to talk to him, and the Lord's laid on my heart to give him some money. And so I've got a you know, little chunk of money, and you're like, that's crazy. God, that's what God's telling me to do, and I think it's going to really bless this guy. Whether he ever comes to this church or not, it's not about that. I'm doing what God told me to do. And so I challenge you. To find somebody somewhere in this town doing something good 
And I want you to go out of your way to say something nice to them. It would be even better to their boss. And if God lays it on your heart, bless them with a little cash. You know what I mean? Uh, you, you don't have to if you aren't able. But I'm just saying, wouldn't that be cool? Can you imagine how that would bless their day? And even better, if you were wearing a High Desert Word Center t-shirt. Yeah. By the way, the t-shirts are in. You can pick yours up. And we do have extras, sizes small through XL. So if you want one, go get one. But anyway, so wouldn't that be great if some kid's having a bad day at work and you come in and say, man, I come in here every week. You're always smiling. You always, you just make me feel better. God bless you. I've got something that I just, I want to give this to you, man. You have an awesome day. You keep smiling. You keep living life, man. God bless you. What would it do for you if somebody did that for you at your work? Because I'm guessing that doesn't happen at all. What if somebody came in and said, man, you're doing a good job. I'm so thankful every time I see you. You just make my day. Wouldn't that be awesome? And so that's the challenge. And I'm not saying we're going to go change the world with it. But I am saying you're going to... God's, you're going to open the door for God's blessings in your life. And you're going to really speak love into somebody's life that probably needs it right now. So anyway, that's the challenge. Complaining, to summarize it, it will make you weaker. It will prolong your issues. But thankfulness will open the door to God's blessings in your life. Control your mouth. Amen. We're going to go ahead and stand up together today.